Welcome to the Digital Social Hour. I'm your host, Sean Kelly, along with my co-host, Wayne Lewis. What up, what up? And our guest today, Gary Brecka. Awesome. What's up, guys? What's Chilling, up? Man. What's Happy to be here, man. Yeah. Happy to have Excited you. Excited to have you. Give people a brief summary if they don't know who you are and they're watching. So I'm a human biologist. Um, my background is in uh, my undergraduate degrees were in biology. My postgraduate degrees were in human biology mm. and neuroscience. And for roughly 22 years, I was a mortality researcher for the insurance industry which meant if we got five years of uh, medical records on you and five years of demographic data, we could tell the insurance company how long you had to live to the month. Mm. And, Damn. Yeah, and a lot of times when I say that, people are like, oh, if you could predict you know, uh, when people are going to die that accurately, you would have won a Nobel Prize. or um, you know, Only Jesus knows when people are going to die. But, but the truth is it's, it's really some of the most accurate science in the world. Yeah. Um, if you look at the way that life insurance companies are structured, you know, a life insurance company takes risk that no other financial enterprise, no other financial services enterprise takes. You know, there's no hedge fund, there's no venture capital fund or angel mm -hmm. investor of any kind, no bank, um, no accredited investor that would ever put that kind of risk on one variable, mm -hmm. right? I mean, when a life insurance company puts 10 million or 25 million or $50 million insurance policy on your life, mm -hmm. um, the only thing that matters is how many more months you have left on earth. Mm -hmm. And so they refine that science to such a degree. Um, the accuracy is astounding. You know, they know wow. the day, the date, the time, the location, the cause of death for 370 million lives. Wow. And so they can, they can um, take that information and work backwards into a model to figure out what, what was actually accelerating or decelerating. And that's how they um, distinguish the rates of life insurance too. Exactly, how they go right. from super preferred to preferred, yeah. standard, to table rated. And if you wanna know how accurate they are, just look at the last few financial services crises we've had. We, we, we had, what, 364 banks fail in 2008 and 2009. Mm. We didn't have a single life insurance company fail. At all. You know, we've got 16 money centered banks right now that are in trouble after mm. the um, Silicon Valley Bank. Uh, I think that was the last number that I heard. You're not gonna hear of a single life insurance company mm. being in financial services distress. So it's very, very accurate science. But the downside was that, you know, I wasn't allowed to really have any contact with the patient, any contact with the treating physician. Now I'm not licensed to practice medicine, so that's for a good reason. Um, I shouldn't be involved in patient care mm. and decisions. But even if I saw life-threatening drug interactions, I couldn't warn the patient or warn the doctor. And after a while, when you start to realize there's human beings on the other side of these spreadsheets, it's not just data, um, it kind of eats away at you. And I made a conscious decision to leave that industry and teach people how to live healthy, happier, longer lives. Wow. Right. What's, the, what's the shortest, like, result that you got back like oh this person only got two months <laughs> oh yeah we had we had some that two were, weeks not how did that go <laughs> yeah we had some some that were very short i mean look it's easy when somebody has a terminal illness or you know they're 88 and they're terminally ill or something but but the question is what if you're 27 years old yeah and you didn't know healthy? like how does yeah. that work have you ever yeah. gotten something i was like whoa this dude only got a couple months you know we have found very significant um issues on people because they happen to apply for the life insurance and give blood work and and start turning over information and mm -hmm. didn't know that they were suffering from mm -hmm. something wow. in that case the the insurance policy was never taken out but what was really interesting was to look after decades of doing these predictions mm -hmm. you know where what is happening to these people and really what emerged was a few trends we realized that the three biggest reasons why people were dying early mm -hmm. and not having 
healthy lifespans, what I what we call the health span. You have a lifespan, which is how many years you're here on Earth, and then you have a health span. How many of those years are actually functional, where you don't need help with activities of daily living, bathing, toileting? Wow, ambulating. so there's a difference. There's Eating. a lifespan and there's oh, a health mm, span. I like oh, that. Yeah. That's different. Those oh, are yeah. two totally different aspects when it comes to living. Mm. Yes, because one, you're suffering. Yeah, one, you're suffering. I mean, what's a definition of really living? Just mm -hmm. being awake, being alive. Yeah. Um, you know, so what what we discovered was, I you know, I always say that if I was to boil my entire career mm -hmm. down to a single sentence, all, all 22 years of, of, of research in that arena, it would be that the presence of oxygen is the absence of disease. And and nothing is more true than that statement. The presence of oxygen, oxygen is the absence is the of absence disease. Of disease, I defy uh, a physician, a researcher, a PhD, you know, clinical practitioner to give me a single disease etiological pathway that does not have its roots in a lack of blood oxygen or oxygen hypoxia, or is not exacerbated by the condition of hypoxia, low blood oxygen. This points mm. to all kinds of things: atherosclerosis, arteriosclerosis, Alzheimer's, dementia type 2 diabetes, ADD, ADHD, OCD, manic depression, bipolar, a lot of these conditions, autoimmune conditions, are either focal areas of hypoxia or they're areas where the body is not actually transporting and utilizing oxygen. Deficient well. in oxygen. Mm -hmm. Everything that you perceive about energy is nothing more than oxygen in your blood. If you told me, Gary, I had a lot of energy today, physiologically what you're saying is, I had a lot of oxygen in my blood today. Mm -hmm. So if oxygen equals energy, which it does, then... If you want to raise your energy level, you need to raise your <clears throat> oxygen level. You need to have healthy levels of red blood cells. You need to have healthy levels of hemoglobin in your blood mm -hmm. um, so that your body is transporting oxygen well. Wow. If, in fact, the reason why most people that are chronically fatigued sleep the worst. Like, you ever think about why is it that people that are the most exhausted sleep the worst? You would think that somebody that's exhausted all the time would actually get to one, sleep. Yeah, one thing they yeah, really yeah. do well is sleep. Mm -hmm. No, they're terrible sleepers. And why is that? because they're both related to a deficiency in oxygen in the blood. Mm -hmm. So if you have low oxygen, anemia, um, either condition of anemia or just mild hypoxia, and you're tired, um, and that's gonna be accompanied by brain fog, mood numbness, um, um, poor short-term recall, mm. uh, then when you go to sleep at night, think about what happens. You know, We lay down to go to sleep at night, and as soon as we start to go to sleep, our respiration rate starts to fall. As your respiration rate starts to fall, your blood oxygen level drops. Well, if your oxygen level is already low in the blood mm -hmm. and it starts to get critically low, the brain, which is monitoring blood oxygen, um, decides to save your life and it pulses cortisol and wakes you up. Mm -hmm. So people that have low blood oxygen look like a bouncing rubber ball going down a hallway. They never get any deep delta sleep. Mm -hmm. So they're exhausted. They go to bed. They spend 8, 9, 10, 12 hours in bed and they get out of bed and they're never rested. This is why hormone therapy is, has such a positive impact on mm -hmm. people's energy, right? I mean, when, when, when men say, you know, I started testosterone therapy and I felt amazing. You didn't feel amazing from the testosterone. You felt amazing because testosterone put pressure on the bone marrow to raise your level of red blood cell and hemoglobin. But you when is testosterone, taking testosterone acceptable? Like, do you recommend artificial testosterone? Well, you know, there's bioidentical testosterone. It's actually derived from yams, but no matter what anyone tells you, there's no better hormone than what the body produces on, on its own. And that includes growth hormone, um, you know, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. So in men, um, 
true what they call primary hypogonadism, mm -hmm. which means that your testicles are not capable of maintaining healthy levels of testosterone. And when, why would that be? And what age would that be? Usually it happens at all. It happens in all ages, but the majority of men start to see a significant reduction in the, in the testicular production of testosterone in their early 40s. Mm -hmm. And that can happen much earlier. Um, because if you think about the amount of herbicides, pesticides, insecticides, preservatives, these assaults that we have constantly on the body, um, you know, the, uh, the gonadal system is, is very sensitive to that. And so not, you may have low <coughs> testosterone because your testicles have lost the capacity to produce healthy levels. But you may also have low testosterone because the signal to that organ is being turned down. And this is, this is you know, very commonly overlooked in, in a lot of hormone therapies because as we age, very often our organ systems don't lose the capacity to produce healthy levels of growth hormone mm -hmm. if it's the pituitary or, or testosterone if it's the testicles. What happens is the signal gets turned down. And it's why does like, that happen? Well, just think about it. If you walked into this room and there was music playing and you could barely right, hear the music, right. you wouldn't go over and start messing with the speaker. The speaker doesn't determine how loud it plays. You'd go over to the tuner and you turn the tuner up. And if you turned up the tuner and the music increased, that's exactly how that system was supposed to work, right? Mm. It's no different in the human body. There isn't an, an, an organ system that I can think of in the human body that is in charge of its own production. In almost every case, there's a boss. In the case of the testic testicles, the, the, the boss is the pituitary, mm. sitting up here in the middle of the, of the brain, and it's deciding how how high or how low that testosterone level is. The pituitary also runs the menstrual cycle in a female, runs your metabolism, regulates your body temperature, does all kinds of stuff. It's like a major puppeteer sitting up mm. in the brain. So when your testosterone level <coughs> starts to drop, the pituitary should turn the signal up to raise it. Mm. When that doesn't happen, mm -hmm. you can replace the signal. How do and you do that? You do it with uh, human chorionic anatotropin. It's called HCG. So there's a there's a molecule that, that a hormone that, that the pituitary secretes called luteinizing hormone. It leaves the pituitary, it goes down to the testicle and raises production of testosterone. So you can mimic that luteinizing hormone. So you would have to go to the doctor for that, correct? Yeah, you have to go to the doctor. You have to go to a physician. I couldn't even do that for you. Um, but but when you when you get your blood work done, you look at something called luteinizing hormone which raises testosterone, stimulates the luteal cells. You look at something called follicle-stimulating hormone, stimulates follicular cells, which produce sperm. And, and these will help determine your level of testosterone. So if your signal's low, you can turn the signal up, and now you're high on your own supply mm. instead of taking it from outside the body and, and suppressing function. Mm. Um, in the case where you cannot produce it, there are significantly more <laughs> risks to having low testosterone right. than there are supplementing with hormone therapy. Yeah. You mentioned earlier you noticed three causes of people that are dying early. The first one was oxygen. First one was oxygen. Um, the second one was, and I think this is the most overlooked thing in all of modern medicine, and I know that you and Sage uh, talked about this earlier on, on, on the last podcast, is that the most overlooked thing in all of modern medicine, in my opinion, mm -hmm. is that we think that what goes into your body and goes into my body and goes into your body is all treated exactly the same way. No. And nothing could be further from the truth, right? There is not a single compound known to mankind, not one, that enters the human body and is used in the format that we put it in. Without exception, every vitamin, mineral, amino acid, uh, nutrient of any kind, as it enters the human body, it gets converted into the usable form. Mm. If you can't make this conversion, 
you have a deficiency. It is this deficiency that leads to the most common ailments that we face as mankind, that we chalk up to a consequence of aging or stress or our environment or our relationship or our lack of sleep. And we accept things like weight gain and water retention and brain fog and a poor response to exercise and poor sleep and poor short-term recall and all of these things that we say, well, I'm just a little stressed out. Um, I'm too busy lately. Uh, you know, my relationship's not going the way I want it to go. Career's not going the way I want it to go. I'm too stressed out. That's complete nonsense. Mm -hmm. The human body is meant to thrive. It's actually meant to strengthen under stress. Um, I believe that aging is the aggressive pursuit of comfort. Um, you know, the more aggressively we seek comfort, the faster we age. Mm. Um, and wait, 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 wait. What do you mean by that? <laughs> what do you mean by that? I mean that we got to stop telling grandma not to go outside. It's too hot. Not oh. to go outside. It's too cold. Just to lay down. Just to relax. To eat at the very first pang of hunger. Human beings. Basically just live. like Just, just live, live, but we seek comfort. We regulate the temperature in our environment. We regulate the temperature in our vehicles. We regulate the temperature in our in our in our offices. We like to work out in, in an air-conditioned gym. We like to lift until we just feel a little bit of pain and then stop. We don't like to be marginally hungry, so we eat at the first pang of hunger. If you don't load your bones, they don't strengthen. If you don't actually tear a muscle, it mm. won't grow. Mm. If you don't challenge the immune system, it will weaken. And so by not challenging ourselves, by not exposing ourselves to different thermal temperatures, it's very good to submerse yourself in cold water. Yeah. You know, cold plunging is a trend that's really, really catching on, mm -hmm. but it has a lot of validity. I mean, for people that can't uh, afford or don't want to get into a cold plunge, you can take a cold shower. Mm. How do you challenge your immune system? You challenge your immune system by doing what human beings were meant to do, and that's what we're doing right now. You get in the proximity of other human beings. Gotcha. The worst thing to ever happen to the immune system was what happened during the pandemic. Okay, Social mm. distancing, residential quarantining, masking. This actually caused a collapse in the in the immune system globally. Mm. You ever hear of monkeypox before COVID? Mm. You know why? Because we didn't have monkeypox here before COVID. Why? Because <laughs> we ran the immune system down so low. What we call long COVID is actually not an extended COVID infection. It is other viral infections that crept up on the back of COVID because COVID ran our immune system down. Yeah. Um, I love that song. Thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, bro, just, just, just turn <laughs> it off. country music. Just turn it off. Yeah, just turn the TV off. Yeah, um, so um, so by, by, I'm saying that we, we, we don't like to, we like to be comfortable, right? Mm -hmm. That's why we eat at the first pang of hunger. Um, the majority of us, you know, I, I think the statistics that I last read, don't quote me on it exactly, but that at, by age 30, 95% mm -hmm. of all men and women over the age of 30 will never sprint again for the rest of their life. Whoa. We are, I mean, we're active. They will never active. get into a dead sprint. Yeah. Well, you're in the 1%, yeah, right? Active. And so, you know, we don't like to... We don't like to lift heavy weight. We don't like to expose ourselves to cold. We don't like to expose ourselves to heat. Mm. We don't like to be hungry. We don't realize that when we're hungry, our body goes into survival mode. Right. You know, a lot of the challenges, the stressors that we put on our body, they result in something called hormesis. I'm fasted now. Yeah. Yeah. And you and, and you're alert and you're awake. Normal. I can just tell. Yeah, it's you got every energy. day for me. Yeah, this you're is clear. Normal. Yeah. I promise you this: if I gave you a big bowl of pasta and half a loaf of bread and a glass of orange mm -hmm. juice in 15 minutes, you'd be dead ass ready to pass out. Right, right. right? Um, 
you know, people that follow me on Instagram, I always talk about, well, how do you travel to so many countries in such a short period of time? Or how do you spend so much time on airplanes or so much time in different time zones? It's because I'm very, very careful about what and how I eat. Mm. And I am constantly stressing my body, mm. right? Because energy is an enormous priority right. for me. So when I look at food, I look at it and say, is that going to steal from me or is it going to serve me? Cool. And if it's a thief and has a pretty suit on, I just don't let it in, mm. right? Because, you know, desserts and those kind of things. But but when we challenge our, ourselves, you know, um, doing things like breath work, cold showers, um, weight-bearing exercise, being out in the heat, being out in the cold, these stressors are very, very they have a very positive impact on our physiology. Gotcha. And if you don't stress the body, I always say, if your morning's not hard, I mean, if your morning is hard, your day will be easy. Mm. If your morning's easy, your day will be hard. Agreed. Right? Because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the gym every morning. Sauna, yeah. first thing, before I even touch a weight, I'm in the sauna for 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. Infrared sauna or regular? No, just, just regular sauna. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we have, human beings have two types of sweating. Mm -hmm. uh, we have what's called passive sweating and active sweating. So passive sweating is where we sweat to reduce body temperature. Right. Um, so if you got up right now and went for a brisk walk in the sun, you, you know, you'd start to sweat. Your body's trying to lower your body temperature. Yeah, cool you down. Um, but there's active sweating where um, we're sweating to eliminate waste, you know, where the liver is using the skin as a secondary route of mm -hmm. waste elimination. You've ever had the cold sweats, meaning mm -hmm. stomach flu. Mm -hmm. um, this is your liver trying to get waste out through the skin. So when you get an infrared sauna, you mimic active sweating. You actually eliminate waste. Mm -hmm. When you get in a dry sauna, you mimic passive sweating and you you eliminate water. Both are wow. good for you. So but the sauna that I'm getting in at the gym is not eliminating waste? Not eliminating waste. Not causing mm -hmm. you to actively sweat. Mm. Wow. So if, you're, if, you're, if you had a preference, you know, I, uh, I would go into an infrared sauna. But if you only have access to a sauna, by all means, the saunas are amazing for you. Yeah, but I want to eliminate waste. Now he's all disappointed. <laughs> yeah. He's like, he's no, like I, the I, hell with this gym. I do the sauna every day. <laughs> I'm in the sauna every day. Dude, if you're using it every day and you can switch to infrared, it'll be game changer. Yeah, I'm yeah. in the sauna every day. Yeah, uh, if you look to certain blood biomarkers like alkaline phosphatase, yeah. creatinine, uh, blood urea nitrogen, these, these mm -hmm. poison levels that different organs are supposed to filter out of your blood, you'd see that they... they they go down. Let me ask you a question when it comes to the prostate. Now, when it comes to... Pro but to we just jump. We, <laughs> sauna. Let me ask you a question about the prostate. Just, I was like, I'm, okay. I'm just, we am just talking about the sauna. I'm, I'm <laughs> curious. So when it comes to the prostate, now, when you don't use your prostate, is that when you get prostate cancer or it's having sex too much also a uh, determining factor um, when it's... when if you there, like, there, What's there, the... There's no clinical evidence that... that um, an increased amount of intercourse mm -hmm. is what's causing an increased risk of, of PS, either prostate-specific antigen rising, right. benign prostatic hyperplasia, or even the, the onset of, of inflammation in the prostate or prostate infections. What causes it is the bacteria from, you know, the, the intercourse. It's not that, it's oh. not like multiple ejaculations. Those, those are not a risk factor for you. Just like testosterone is no longer a risk factor for, mm -hmm. uh, um, for prostate cancer, you know, in 20, 2018, the American Journal of Urology updated all of their clinical guidelines for hormone therapy. If you actually actually look up American Journal of Urology, testosterone. So it's the bacteria from intercourse. It's the bacteria actually, from mm. intercourse. So how do you cleanse your prostate? Then? So if you have um, benign prostatic hyperplasia or you have a prostate infection mm. where you actually have an acute on, onset of a rapid rise in something called PSA, mm -hmm. which is the measure of 
how inflamed the prostate is. Usually when it skyrockets, it's actually a good sign that it's not cancer when it just slowly continues to creep up over time. Mm. The research points to that being more likely to be um, cancer. So when you have uh, an acute infection in the prostate, um, ciprofloxacin and other antibiotics we use to, to, to kill that infection. And what about preventative measures? Preventative measures are, are don't have intercourse without wrapping the rascal. <laughs> um, and you know, the number of ejaculations uh, don't matter, but also managing your level of um, managing your level of inflammation in the body. You know, there's an inflammatory factor called homocysteine. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the reasons why I'm such a big fan of that genetic test that you guys were talking about was because uh, I think it was you that were talking about allergies before the show. Yeah, allergies. Right? Yeah, yeah, you have yeah. a lot of allergies. I would bet that you don't have nearly as many allergies as you think. Um, well, it's a sinus, but I mean, it's, yeah. they shut me down. Like my sinus cavities close every time, so I have to get steroid shots. Yeah. So the question is, why do your sinus cavities close and my sinus cavities don't and his don't? Mm -hmm. And 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 the answer to that is. It, it, it depends a lot on what your baseline level of inflammation is. Mm -hmm. So for example, if if you do an allergy test, mm -hmm. um, and, and this is my issue with a lot of these food allergy tests, what they do is they take your blood, they wash it down a membrane. On one side of the membrane is your blood, on the other side of the membrane are all these allergens, mm -hmm. soy, wheat, corn, dairy, blueberries, what have you. And they're measuring the amount of inflammation, the, the inflammatory response across that membrane. Mm. So if your blood gets little upset it's a one to a two mm. and okay that's a mild allergy and then if it's like a three to a six um that's a moderate allergy mm. if it's a seven eight nine or a ten that's a severe allergy mm. right? and but then you get some of these allergy reports back and, and you're like wow this person's allergic to wheat soy corn dairy blueberries bananas um gluten and rice like how do they have all of these allergies but when you really look at the testing it doesn't take into account your already inflamed state. Meaning, what if you're already at a six? And all of a sudden, it takes very little assault for to you to have this there. allergic reaction. Gotcha. Right? Okay. Like, what, what, what if I said, okay, guys, I'm going to push in on each of your backs and you tell me how, how much pain you feel. Mm -hmm. And I push in on your back with a pressure of two and you go, I barely felt that. Mm -hmm. And I push in on your back with a pressure of two and you go through the roof. Mm. Because he has a pinched nerve. Mm. Because he's already at an eight. Mm -hmm. So he registers that little push of two as a 10, right? Oh. So this is what happens in allergy testing. So if we don't reduce our baseline inflammation, mm. then small micro assaults result in these big, big allergic type I, reactions. I, wow. And um, that's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I'm a fan of the genetic testing um, mm -hmm. and because it, when you see that you have elevated homocysteine, mm. um, you can take amino acids, one called trimethylglycine, for example, to, to lower that. So now your baseline inflammation is back down to a one or a two. Yeah. Now, if you get assaulted with a one or a two, you mm -hmm. don't even notice. Right. If you're walking around at a six or seven, it Already. takes very little pollen, very boom. little allergies, very little ragweed, yeah. hay fever, and then boom, you're blocked mm -hmm. up instantly. Literally. Mm -hmm. Now you're using a steroid as an anti-inflammatory to knock the inflammation down rather than bringing the baseline inflammation down. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, the last time I went, he wouldn't give me any antibiotics. So he's like, nah, we're yeah. on steroid. Yeah. You mentioned, uh, you mentioned the commonalities of people with short lifespans. Mm -hmm. What did you notice in people that live to 90, 100? And then what are some things you do to increase your lifespan? Um, so, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, you know, the anecdotal measurements that we saw broadly across the board was, um, 
you know, people that, that lived extended life expectancies, if you actually looked at their demographic data, they were very happy people. So, hmm. you know, we're starting now to see the research about the impact of frequency on the human body. We know that cells communicate by frequency. We know that all disease state is a low voltage state in the body. Low vibration. Low mm -hmm. vibration, low voltage. So you can actually measure the voltage on the surface of the cell. And if you look at any cancer cell, for example, it's a low voltage cell. Mm. If you look at healthy red blood cells, there's a high voltage of those cells. The pH in the body stands for potential hydrogen. It's actually a, a charge, right? Mm. It's a complete fallacy that you can be, get alkaline by drinking alkaline water. Um, that was like one of the biggest marketing myths ever sold to the public. Wow. But you can get alkaline by contacting the surface of the earth. You can get alkaline by using a PEMF mat. Um, so there are ways to make the body alkaline and actually change the voltage in the body. Mm. But if you actually look at the impact of emotion on longevity, we rarely discuss how an emotional state can actually impact the length of somebody's life. But we're now getting empirical data to prove that the amygdala of our brain, where we experience our emotional state, whether you're happy, elated, joyful, aroused, sad, upset, you're experiencing that emotion in an area of the brain called the amygdala. That amygdala, which is your current emotional state, is the sole gateway to another part of your memory called the hippocampus. And in the hippocampus is where you store all your memory. Mm. So if there's only one hallway from um, the amygdala to the hippocampus, this means that there's only one hallway to get to your memory. You have to go down the hall of your emotional state. So those toxic relationships aren't worth it. They are <laughs> devastating to you. Right. And so if you think that your current emotional state determines what memories you access, what memories you access determine what your conscience projects. What your conscience projects is your future. Mm. And so your current emotional state mm. determines your future. So if you don't learn to master your emotional state, you will never control the outcome of your future. This wow. is why people get into habitual patterns in their life, mm -hmm. right? Because they do not, they're not able to control their emotional state. I had an interesting conversation with Dana White one time and it was, we were talking about fighters in the UFC and um, I was asking him what makes the difference between a good fighter and a great fighter. Um, how do you know sometimes that an underdog is possibly going to now you know, dominate or, or, or win this fight at that level. And uh, I never forget what he said. He said it came down to one word, um, composure. First person to lose their composure is the one that's gonna lose that kind of fight. The first person to lose control of their emotional state, right, is now out of sync. Mm. And this happens in human beings. So one of my driving forces, and the, the reason why I've dedicated it balance of my adult lifetime to the study of genetics and supplementation for deficiency is because some people do not have the raw material in their body to experience elevated emotional states. Mm -hmm. For example, if you took the highest tier of emotions, passion, elation, joy, arousal, libido, all these hell yeah, I won the lottery emotions. Mm -hmm. And you said, what's the common theme between all of them? Um, the common theme between all of them is that they require oxygen as a part of their molecular structure. In other words, you cannot feel passion, elation, joy, arousal, libido. You can't feel any of those upper elevated without oxygen. without oxygen. This is why no human being has ever woken up laughing mm. and ever will wake up laughing. You do not have the oxidative state to experience laughter right out of deep sleep. But can you wake up angry? 
Yes. Yes, of course you can. Yes. Pinch your spouse tonight while they're dead asleep <laughs> and you'll find out they can wake up angry, right? So how can you wake up angry? Because anger does not require oxygen as a part of its, its um, molecular structure. But you can wake up happy. You can wake up happy, but you, you wake never up wake up laughing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. You can you can come out of a dream and be like, "Wow, I feel, I feel pretty yeah. good right now." So, how can people increase but, their oxygen? Um, well, breath work, balancing their hormones is the biggest thing. Um, how? You know, um, how do you balance your hormones? So, get a blood test. I mean, okay. most of us and most of your listeners right now, you know, especially like hard charging young entrepreneurs and 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 you know men and women that are going to the gym and eating healthy and doing the right thing, right. they don't take the extra step to actually get the data on their body. Right, they they have an income statement, a balance sheet, a P and L for their business, but they don't, don't have, have an income statement, body. a P and L, and a balance sheet for their body. Mm. Right, and your physiology will drag you down into the state where it most comfortably exists. All the self help, motivational books, and teachings in the world will do nothing for you if your physiology is not buoyant enough to allow you to experience these emotional states. So, for example, if you're a man or a woman. Um, at any age and you're deficient in the hormone testosterone and I'm not saying you just have to supplement with testosterone a lot of times you you supplement with precursors like vitamin d3 and dhea and um, if you're low in the hormone testosterone you see we've been we've been taught to believe that the primary role of testosterone is is male characteristics mm. which is not true it's not facial hair aggression deep voice muscles the, the primary role of testosterone in men and women is to put pressure on the bone marrow to make healthy red blood cells it's mm. called erythropoiesis. Mm. So you show me somebody deficient in the hormone testosterone, I'll show you somebody deficient in red blood cells and hemoglobin. When you are deficient in, in, the, in the structures that carry oxygen in the body, you're tired, fatigued, and have a difficult time reaching elevated emotional states. This is why the first thing I do every morning without failure, and I say it all the time, I'll miss a commercial flight to not miss breath work, is I do eight minutes of breath work every day within 15 minutes of waking with zero excuses and how's that how does um, that method go so it's a it's a wim hof style of mm -hmm. breath work i didn't invent it he's the, the guru of breath work i'm mm -hmm. i'm actually completing a certification course for for him right now but um i do three rounds of 30 breaths um and basically i sit quietly um and i'm trying to get oxygen into the into the lobes of my lungs Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. we spend the majority of our day breathing with the apex of our lung, the top third of our lungs. Mm. We've got three times the surface area down here, the mm. lobes of our lung. They go all the way around to our spine, all mm. the way up here behind our sternum, and they kind of dip down on the sides above the diaphragm. And when I wake up in the morning within 15, 18 minutes of waking, I get out and I find some natural light. I don't care how cold it is. I did it on the balcony this morning at the hotel at the Red Rock. And I do three rounds of obnoxiously deep breaths. 30 breaths. And on the 30th breath, I exhale and I hold as long as I can hold my breath, which right now is about four minutes. Wow. Whoa. When I started, it was like 15 seconds. Go hold your breath for four minutes? After Whoa. doing 30 deep breaths, I can hold my breath for four minutes. How long did it take you to get there? I would say, you know, the, the, when I tested it, it had been about a year into doing breath oh, work. So yeah. I just started doing that method about a month ago. Yeah. How, how, you'll how notice do you, it. You'll how go do you feel? Amazing. At first it was 30 seconds. Now I'm at a minute 30. Wow. <laughs> so it's tripled it. Yeah. So do you time yourself the whole? Yeah, I do exactly what he just said. So eight minutes. Yeah, there's a YouTube video and I just follow it. Okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a like a free, I think it's a free Wim Hof app yeah. or something mm -hmm. that you can do. There's some really good good mm -hmm. apps out there. I'm telling you, there's nothing that will change the trajectory of your life that costs you as little, yeah. which is zero, um, as doing breath work consistently every single day. Mm -hmm. 
your body will get to rely on that like a like a rat to cheese. It will become your drug of choice even more than coffee because you will wake up and your body will crave that elevated emotional mm -hmm. state. See, when I raise my oxidative state, I'm now all of a sudden I can access these elevated emotional states. Mm -hmm. So I elevate my mood. I elevate my emotional state. I get my blood flowing. I use my diaphragm to massage my intestines. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually exercise those, what we call them auxiliary muscles of respiration, you know, the diaphragm, all of the intercostals in your ribs. And it takes you eight minutes total. Mm -hmm. You feel amazing. It's cost you nothing. And then you can go on about your day. Yeah. Then you've already elevated your mood and elevated your emotional How state. How do you feel about CMOS? Um, so CMOS. I was talking to Sage about it, but she was like, you. Oh, she did. Because <laughs> yeah, I don't do multivitamins on the CMOS guy. Yeah, yeah. Have C you ever seen CMOS before, Sean? I've tried it. I didn't like the taste. Yeah, it's nasty. But. Yeah, CMOS is great. It's a, it's actually an algae. Um, and uh, I forget the number of trace minerals that it has. Uh, but 99. Yeah, I was going to say it's over 60. Out of, out of 102. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's over 60, which is, which is really important because one of the things that we don't talk about a lot in nutrition are all the trace minerals. Everybody hears about the big ones. Vitamin C, vitamin B12, B, yeah. vitamin B, you know, e. folic acid, which I'm not a big fan of. Um, but we, we hear about all the big vitamins, branched right. amino acids, which the truth is the deficiency in the cofactors and the minerals mm. is the leading underpinning of most chronic disease, right? I mean, all the things that you don't hear about, magnesium, zinc, copper, molybdenum, selenium, boron, um, manganese, all these things you don't, they're not names that readily fall off the tongue, you know, mm -hmm. the, the, the sodiums and what have you. So CMOS has all of those. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of CMOS. Okay. Um, it, you know, this is also why, you know, before we were talking about grass-fed meats and wild-caught fish and things like that, you know, when, when, when the food that we eat eats properly, the nutritional content of that food is dramatically different, mm. right? If you think about a cow grazing in a field, they're not just eating grass, they're getting a tremendous amount of dirt and soil. Mm. You know, when you, and their teeth get down to that soil, when they go to actually bite grass, sometimes they pull the grass up and there's a whole root bulb with mm. a bunch of dirt on it. You know what's in that dirt? Minerals, potash, zinc, magnesium, sulfur, iodine. All those things get ingested and they actually nutrify the, you know, uh, cattle. Same thing with chickens when they're eating worms and bugs and grass. Um, you know, the nutrient so certain density. qualities of meat that aren't good for you. So certain qualities of meat that are not good for you and certain qualities of vegetables that are not good for you. The, the, too, the level of pesticide. Which vegetables are not good? Um, well, um, I would say if you're if if you're going to if you're on a budget and you want to spend money anywhere mm -hmm. on organic food, you you I would never touch an inorganic fruit. Because fruits absorb pesticides and herbicides and insecticides through their skin. Mm. Um, they also absorb preservatives through their skin. When we first discovered preservatives, we actually called them anti-digestives. Mm -hmm. And because they prevented digestion. Yeah, I'm wondering why they stopped calling. That's a clear red flag. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So why, right. did, so why did they change the name? Because <laughs> some smart marketing person was like, hey, hey, Bill, we can't call this shit anti-digestive. Nobody's going to go to the anti-digestive <laughs> yeah, That makes more sense, like anti-digestive. Okay, yeah, cool. We, we, we spray all of our grains, you know, and I'm sure Sage talked yeah. about this, all white rice, flour, bread, pasta, yeah. with folic acid, which is a chemical, but we don't call it sprayed with folic acid. We call it fortified or enriched. Yeah. It sounds so good. It's fortified. Wow. It's enriched Fortified. okay it's sprayed with a synthetic chemical yeah. um and the same thing is true with preservatives they're um they were anti-digestives because the same process that causes oxidation is the same process that that allows digestion mm -hmm. so if you prevent oxidation you prevent digestion so nobody said 
hey, I want that that non-digestible apple, mm -hmm. right? Or, or is there any any non-digestible lettuce in the in the store? So, um, but you know, there there was there was a recent study published about um, inorganic strawberries where they actually took inorganic strawberries from the supermarket, brought them home, put them in a commercial press, pressed the juice out of them. And there was so much pesticide in the juice, they were able to take that juice and respray the crop. Whoa, Whoa. that's nasty. Yeah. Disgusting. And still have the same level of pesticide protection from the juice that was squeezed from inorganic fruit. So I would say- so We were wow. poisoning ourselves through fruit. We're slowly poisoning ourselves through fruit. And vegetables. Wow. Yeah, I mean, when you've heard of GMO foods, why did they genetically modify foods? They don't genetically modify foods mm -hmm to increase the nutritional content. They usually genetically modify foods so they are resistant to poison, mm -hmm. right? I mean, most of the genetically modified seeds are genetically modified to resist something called glyphosphates because when you spray glyphosphates on a plant, it protects the plant, but then it kills the seed. Right. And they were like, well, we can't keep killing all the crops, mm -hmm. so we need to genetically modify the seed so it can actually be resistant to this poison so it can go through the poison. And now we have essentially a non-digestible type of what was a plant product mm -hmm. that is now not really a plant product. It's a laboratory created, genetically wow. modified. And now are certain diets like dedicated to certain races? Is that a thing? Like, I don't I don't know about diets can you know dedicated to races. I mean um different races have different risks. Yeah, you know, different African American risks. population and, 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 and darker skinned populations have um higher incidence of deficiency in vitamin D three. Um, which but that's is, because of our skin pigmentation. Skin pigmentation, right? yeah. But how do you how do we get more efficient at it? That's I, I sit in the sun when it's good mm -hmm. about twenty minutes a day. That's great. I mean that's the best way to do it. Right. Second best way is, you know, just about everybody should be supplementing with vitamin D three and with, with a certain ratio of something called K two. Okay. Um, so what is K two? I've never heard of K two. So K two is uh so D three amongst other things mm -hmm. is a calcium transport molecule. It actually transports calcium to the bloodstream. So that um, makes, does, does that mean our bones are weaker or? Bones are, brittle bone disease is highly, you know, osteopenia, osteoporosis has, has a causal link to deficiency in vitamin D3 for certain. If you mm -hmm. look at Middle Eastern populations um, and, and darker skin populations yeah. that are not getting a lot of sun, you'll see a very high incidence of osteopenia, osteoporosis. Um, if you heard that COVID disproportionately affected minorities, it did, it did, it right. definitely did. Why but it wasn't that? because they were minorities. It was because of the pigment of their skin, mm. because that population, 85% of that population is clinically deficient in vitamin D3. Wow. The more deficient you are in D3, the weaker the immune system. Wow. So, the more so we have to work harder. You have to supplement more. Supplement more yes. because we're deficient in vitamin D3. No yeah. question. I actually had that deficiency. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if you're African-American, Latino, you know, Middle Eastern, you know, darker complected, you should absolutely be thinking about supplementing with vitamin D3. 5,000 IUs of D3 with 80 micrograms of something called K2. Mm. Because D3 is a calcium transport molecule. K2 will help that deposit into the bone. Well, where do we go? Like, where do we those things oh, like, you can get d3 online there's lots of great brands online you know i make one um but you can get pure encapsulations you can get thorn brand i mean there's some great brands out there that make high quality um non-nutritional grade supplements and mm -hmm. 5,000 i use of d3 is a is a great thing to supplement with so I mean, you, if you look at the, you know clinical deficiency in d3 was the second leading cause of morbidity in COVID. whoa 
Yeah, but imagine how many African Americans don't know that we're oh. deficient in D three. Probably none of us. Five percent of the population is clinically deficient, not just low in D three. Clinically, eighty five percent of the African American population has a clinical deficiency in that, and this is why you see higher incidence of certain things, rickets and and osteopenia, um, diabetes, um, um, immune compromise. So. This is also what I meant about my research in the, in the longevity space. It's like, what an easy thing to solve for. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if we could, and D3 is affordable to everyone. I mean, it's not an expensive. Can it be corrected? And how fast can you make that correction? Like me. Seven so, to 14 days. So now I know. So now what are the steps I need to take today to improve myself for a better life tomorrow and moving forward? So I would say, depending on how committed you are, mm-hmm. um, Number one, get a roadmap of what's going on in your body. Right, Do not absolutely. be afraid of the data that's inside your body. Stop right. talking to your friends and your family and your neighbor and you know um, your gym buddy mm-hmm. about what's good for you, what's not, what your body needs and what it doesn't. Because most people don't even know what their body needs. So right? get we, directions. Yeah, we to supplement your body. just for the sake of <laughs> right. supplementing. We're yeah. like, hey, I should take salt, salt pimento at St. John's Wort and CoQ10 and turmeric <laughs> and all this other stuff. And they're right. all great supplements, but the question is, does your body need it? Mm-hmm. So. You know, get a get a good plus blood test done by a you know reputable physician and take a look at what's going on. How well am I controlling my blood sugar? What is my D three level? What are my B twelve levels? Um, are my um, you know my cholesterol, triglycerides? Are these things balanced? Other one was K twelve, right? K two, K two, yeah, vitamin K two, D three, yep, and D three, um, vitamin D three. It's called cholecalciferol. That, okay. that form of. By the way, D three is also the only vitamin human beings can make on our own. Mm-hmm. Think how important something must be. To human function if when god made us he made us with the ability to make one vitamin mm. right there's hundreds of vitamins in your bloodstream right now your body's capable of making one so wow. that's the and most important D3. one just imagine how important it is yes. if it's the only one we yeah. make on our own there's not a single cell in the entire human body that does not have a receptor site for that mm. that vitamin it acts like a hormone it acts like a vitamin transports calcium it does all kinds of things strengthens the immune system in fact you know when we look at patients that have deficient hormone levels one of the first things we look at is what's their d3 level what's their dhea level the raw materials the body needs to do its job wow you know how important is sleep because you see people kind of bragging about how they could get away with four to six hours but i feel like that narrative could be sort of harmful oh it's awful there is not <laughs> there be, is you won't be successful is, yeah, you <laughs> because you can survive on four hours of sleep you are borrowing from the future mm-hmm. i promise you Jeez. that you are borrowing from the future there is a certain amount of delta wave of sleep what we need are sleep cycles because as we get into deep sleep what exactly is going on in sleep that's so important i mean why is sleep so important we don't know that it is but physiologically like what's happening what's happening is amongst other things is there is a secondary oxygen transfer in deep sleep so the body is very relaxed you know it's in a mildly paralytic state right you're not moving around a lot so all that oxygen that's normally out in the periphery in your muscles and your 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 ligaments and your um you know out in the periphery of the of the body is now in the core and it's also up in the brain Mm -hmm. so now the brain is getting this kind of oxygen at rest Mm -hmm. this is when it repairs regenerates detoxifies and eliminates waste Mm -hmm. if you think about the brain the brain is a non-metabolic organ what does this mean? This means that if I went to the gym, right, and I, and I picked up a weight and I started to curl it, my body would send more blood flow to this muscle, more amino acids, mm-hmm. more oxygen, more nutrients. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it's working. Right. Well, what if I'm sitting in front of my computer and I'm just watching a stupid episode of The Simpsons, or I'm sitting in front of my computer and I'm solving the most complex 
joint venture, merger, acquisition agreement, divorce document, whatever it is, right? My brain doesn't get one ounce more nutrient, one ounce more blood flow, mm. one ounce more, um, you know, more of what it needs to heal and regenerate. It gets the same meal, whether or not it's running a dead sprint or whether it's just walking down the, the track. Wow. So it's non-metabolic. So in other words, the harder it works, the body doesn't sense that in increased blood flow, mm. right? Doesn't increase the nutrients. So if, if our conversation progressed throughout the day and got significantly more complicated where I was really in deep thought and really drawing on experience and you were really drawing on experience, neither of our brains would, the blood flow would not increase to our brain. The nutrients would not increase to our brain like a muscle, mm. right? We reward this for working harder. We don't do the same for the brain. The time that we reward the brain is when we're in deep sleep. Gotcha. That's why wow. it's so important. Dude, I could talk to you for hours, honestly. I wish we had more time. <laughs> yeah, let's come back and do another one, man. Absolutely. I mean, I'm short on time today, but but um, I'll talk about this stuff all day long. Mm. And, and we can go down whatever road you'd like. You know, yeah. I, I like to give people practical things that they can do for no money, you know, zero out of their budget without buying a bunch of fancy equipment and, and you know, making a big multi-thousand dollar commitment to their yeah. health it's like what are a couple shifts this is, this is one more question is cold sores a form of herpes yes cold sores are a form of herpes and boom yeah they are that settles that <laughs> okay that. <laughs> we'll wrap up on that guys <laughs> all right cold sores are herpes thank you <laughs> <laughs> Damn, we really took a nose out there at the end, brother. We were doing good. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Any closing comments and where people can find out more? Um, I mean, they can follow me. Uh, it's just my first and last name at Gary Brecca. I, I, I really try to do nothing but teach on Instagram. So, um, you know, I don't sell, sell things and push product. Um, I mean, if I believe in something, I'll talk about it. But, uh, but you know, I, I do a lot of breath work, morning routine, diet, lifestyle, spiritual start well doing things. I, start um, I share a lot of the research that I read. I'm a, you know, I'm a nerd. So I read peer reviewed journals for support. Best uh, place to go get vitamins, especially like the D12 and the K2. I mean, um, the, the D3 and a K2. So Where, what's know, the best place um, I can go? So I have a brand of my own called 10X Health. Okay. Um, but there's some other brands I really believe in. One that backs the UFC. They're called Thorn, like a thorn in your finger. Mm -hmm. uh, there's another one they're called Pure Encapsulations. I'm mm -hmm. a big fan of. There's some Life Extension. There's some great brands out there that are doing the right thing. Okay. Um, in my opinion, they've got quality ingredients in the right ratios. And mm -hmm. I'm very impressed with the science that they, that they do. Um, I never like to take the position that I'm good because everybody else is bad. There are other people doing really mm. good things out there. Okay. Um, it's just hard sometimes for us to know the difference between a quality supplement and one that's not yeah. quality. So the, those names are some gotcha. of the ones okay. I'm yeah. And yeah. as far as the tests, um, what are you, um, you can get the gene test on it. Um, 10xhealthtest.com, just the number 10, the letter X, healthtest.com. Um, you know, it's, I think everybody should do that test once in their lifetime. Never guess again about what your body is deficient in. So you can start supplementing for deficiency and not for the sake of supplementing. Um, but again, for the sake of not getting on here and giving myself a commercial, there are other places you can get gene testing done. And um, But I suggest that you do it because you do it once in your life. And the information that comes from that test is so valuable because people don't know I have a methylfolate deficiency. I can't convert this form of B12. I should be taking SAMe. Um, I, I have a regulation issue with this this amino acid or that amino acid. And once you know... Can be life-changing mm -hmm. and it can be as simple as very minimal supplementation for a deficiency your body has absolutely you know hard very hard to get it from diet. i agree wayne what about you 
Um, you can find me at at the creator on Instagram. All right. Sean Mike Kelly, Digital Social Hour. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you guys next week. Peace. Peace. Wow. Awesome, that was dude. Good. <laughs> that was Holy a lot of info, right? Shit.